So several years ago, I remember uh, sitting on the floor um, United Methodist Annual Conference in Greenville, South Carolina, and Bishop Gregory Palmer from Ohio was delivering a powerful message during that session. And one phrase from his message really connected with me and convicted me that day and still resonates with me today. His message was about the generosity of God, and he asked this question, what do you have that you did not receive? And he repeated it again, almost like he was daring us to audit our lives. <laughs> what do you have that you did not receive? And I confess, at first, like I was kind of defensive. I was like, all right, challenge accepted. And so I was trying to go back through my, my life and find examples that would run counter to this rather convicting question. Like, oh, yeah, but I got that, or I did this. But you know what? Ultimately, I couldn't. Once I pressed through my, my momentary pride, I landed on God's sheer goodness. Provision, grace. I arrived at the place of gratitude and humility, thankfulness. All the things that I thought I somehow did not receive, I instead gave thanks and praise to God for them. Why? Because God reminded me that all that I am and all that I have is not something that I created alone. All is grace. You know, in many ways, the Bible is a story that can be read through the lens of God as giver and then what we as human beings do with those gifts. This year, during our annual generosity commitment season, we're going to be looking at what we do with what God has gifted us. If God is a generous giver, what is our response? What is our posture? Do we hide them or explore them? Do we abuse them or savor them? Do we uh, keep them to ourselves or share them? We are called to be faithful with what God has given to us. We are called to see what God has given to us through the lens of, of thankfulness and gratitude. Our faithfulness with what God has given to us begins, it begins with our understanding and embracing of God both as ultimate giver and the ultimate gift. That's how we begin our series today, looking at how God is both at the same time the generous giver and the generous gift. Let us pray. God, open our hearts and minds to your word for us this day. We pray that it would take root there, that it would grow us and transform us, that we might live for you might bear fruit for your kingdom. This we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Three uh, shorter readings today. First from the um, very first book, the very first pages, the very first verses of the Bible, Genesis 1, 1 through 4. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was without shape or form. It was dark over the deep sea, and God's wind swept over the waters. God said, let there be light, and so light appeared. God saw how good the light was. God separated the light from the darkness. Second reading comes from John's Gospel, verse, chapter 3, verse 16. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him won't perish but will have eternal life. 
In 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you know the grace or the gift of our Lord Jesus Christ. Although he was rich, he became poor for our sakes so that you could become rich through his poverty. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. God is in the habit of giving. God is a giver. That's clear from the opening pages of the Bible. The creation story itself bears witness to a generous giver. God did not have to create. God was under no compulsion to do so. God has no imperfect motivations. God has always existed as a perfect self-giving relationship of love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons, so generous love flows in the very nature of God. So what does a perfectly loving and generous God do? What does a God who already contains all things, who doesn't need anything else, do? Generosity, by its very definition, wants to create space. Wants to create space in which to share and to give. So the most selfless, generous thing a giving God could do would be to create a space distinct from God, different other than God, where God's gracious love could flourish and be shared. God wants an other than God to receive God's joy and delight. And so God said, let there be light. And there was light. And plants and trees and mountains and seas and creatures and, and human beings too. God creates everything from nothing. Ex nihilo in Latin. Although if we really think about it, God actually creates ex amore from love. From love. Because God is love. Because God is a giver. The world exists. We exist out of nothing more than sheer generosity. Every time we take a breath. Every time we hold a child. Every time we see a sunset. Every time we crunch fall leaves underfoot while a cool breeze tickles our cheek. Every time we gaze at one another in, at VCR and consider the wonderful gifts and passions that we each bring to our life together we are reminded that God is the ultimate giver. We have received much. Imagine yourself at a, at a grand party or, or banquet. I like to think the best party I've ever been to was my own wedding. I'm not biased at all, but y'all, I promise it was a good party. Um, but you, you're at this party, and uh, there's all this amazing food and drink and music and decorations and people, and there's more than enough to go around. And every time you eat or drink something, it's like, oh, this is the best of this I've ever had. Oh, this is the best of this I've ever had. That kind of experience points back to what must be an incredibly gracious and generous host. You don't have to worry about your needs. You, you can just savor and enjoy yourself and all the good people and things around you. That's what a generous host wants for their guests, right? To enjoy the gifts that have been given. Friends, that's what we find. At the beginning of the story, creation is this expression of God's generous love. God delights in what God has made. God tells humanity, all this I've given to you to enjoy and to take care of. God is this super gracious host providing this amazing spread, and we're the guests who get to enjoy it, living in a world of abundance. As the source of life, God is the ultimate giver. 
even though we've messed up, right, God's good world, God's good gifts are still all around us. God hasn't changed who God is. God is still the, the super generous host, the ultimate giver. We perhaps just have to work a little bit harder to trace the gifts to their source. I remember backpacking one time and coming upon um, a small stream. That was pro- that's probably a generous term for what it was. It was like this trickling line. It wasn't, certainly wasn't big or rushing or anything like that. But the map said that like, there was a, supposed to be a spring nearby. Like This was supposed to be a legitimate water source on the trail for you to fill up. But it definitely wasn't deep enough or moving fast enough in that spot to filter or to fill an algae. So we decided to maybe we ought to trace it back a little bit to its source, see if we could find it. So we walked off the, walked off the trail for a short distance and, and up the mountain a little bit, and sure enough, we came to this spot where a pipe was literally coming out of a rock, and water was coming out of the pipe like a water fountain. They had tapped into a spring there. Um, the stream had a source. We just had to find it. Every good thing in our life is like a stream whose origin, if we trace it back far enough, is the spring of God's generous giving nature. What do I have that I have not received? Keep tracing it back. Nothing. Because God is the ultimate giver. Giving is God's nature. And if what God does reveals who God is, then God isn't just the ultimate giver. God is also at the same time the ultimate gift. Think back to the idea of a party with a gracious host. We messed up the party in a big way because of our unfaithfulness, but God is not giving up as the host. Instead, the gracious host becomes the gracious gift. So that wherever this gift is received, God the giver reclaims and restores. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God gives us God's own self. God gives us God's own self to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God gives us God's own life. God has brought rescue and redemption and restoration through the gift of God's self to us, for us, with us, in us. The gift of His life was the ultimate expression of the giver's love. God reclaims all by giving all. A month and a half ago, I participated in the first of a series of church leadership opportunities in Greensboro, and the program actually put us up at the O'Henry Hotel, which if you've ever been in Greensboro, it's like... Very nice, uh, very nice place to stay. And it's named after the author William Sidney Porter, who wrote under the, the name O. Henry and was uh, born in Greensboro, a very prolific short story writer uh, in the early 20th century, uh, a famous short story writer. And in the lobby of this hotel, if you look up at the, at the ceiling uh, and the top of the, of the side of the walls, uh, one of his most famous short stories is printed there, stenciled there in its entirety. It's called The Gift of the Magi, and it opens like this, $1.87. Apparently, that's all Della has to buy a Christmas gift for her beloved husband, Jim. And plus, it's already Christmas Eve, so she's, she's low on money and time. 
Confronted with this dire situation, Della suddenly bursts into tears on the couch while that gives the narrator a chance to tell us more about the context of Jim and Della. In short, they live in a very shabby New York City apartment, and they're poor, but they love each other. Once Della recovers, she, she goes to a mirror and lets down her beautiful brown hair to examine it. Her, her gorgeous brown knee-length hair is one of this couple's two most prized treasures. The other treasure is Jim's gold watch. Her hair examined, Della uh, puts it back up, she bundles up, and she heads out into the cold of New York City. She leaves the flat and walks to Madame Sofroni's hair goods shop, where she sells her hair for $20. Now she has $21.87. With her new funds, she buys Jim the perfect Christmas present, an elegant platinum watch chain for his gold watch. It's $21. She has enough. Excited by her gift, Della returns home and tries to make her now short hair presentable. She's not convinced that Jim will approve, but she, she did what she had to do to get him a present. Jim arrives home at 7 p.m. to find Della waiting by the door, and he stares intently at her, not able to understand that Della's hair is gone. Della can't quite understand what his reaction means. After a little while, Jim snaps out of it, and he, and he gives Della her present, explaining that his vague reaction will make sense when she opens his gift. Della opens it and cries out in joy, only to burst into tears immediately afterward. Jim has given her the fancy set of tortoiseshell combs that she's wanted for ages. The combs would have been the perfect gift, but now she has no long hair in which to wear them. Jim dries her tears. Once she's recovered, she gives Jim his present, holding out the watch chain. Jim smiles and then falls back into the couch. You see, not having much money himself, he sold his gold pocket watch to get the money to buy Della's hair combs, he explains. As the babe put away their gifts and eat dinner together, and their narrator brings the story to a close by declaring that Della and Jim, though they sold their most prized possessions, are the wisest of everyone who gives gifts. Of course, the real gifts in the story weren't the obsolete hair combs or the pocket watch chain. The real gifts were Jim and Della to each other because they had given sacrificially to one another out of love. They had given of themselves and thus became the gift to each other. Friends, how much more so with God Almighty? As Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 8, 9, we know the gift of Jesus, that though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes so that you could become rich through his poverty. Della became rich because of Jim's sacrifice. Jim became rich because of Della's sacrifice. We become rich through God's sacrificial loving gift of God's own self for us. The Father loved the world and gave the Son. The Father and Son loved the world and gave the Spirit, the gift now living in us. And God's gift of God's own self, it turns death into life. 
Scarcity into abundance. Fear into hope. Despair into joy. Wherever the gift of God's own self is received, restoration and reclaiming happens. Gift upon gift. Grace upon grace. Deeper and deeper. Deeper as we receive them. So friends, one of the most important ways we become faithful with what God has given us is to embrace with open and thankful hearts the gift and the giver that is God. Because when we do that, when we recognize, when we orient our whole lives around the beautiful truth that God is the ultimate gift and ultimate giver, we begin to trust that actually God is generous. All of a sudden, the world, the face of a world that operates with scarcity, we believe that that there is enough. And and we start seeing opportunities for generosity everywhere with our time, with our abilities, with our faith, and yes, even money. So the question, what do I have that I have not received, turns into another question. What do I do in light of such a giver and such a gift? That's a question we can only ever answer with our lives. Lives given to us by a generous and a giving God. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.